Would you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13? That's where we're going to be in our uh, King Jesus series this morning. Uh, But before we get there, uh, I was born in 1973, which ages me a bit, and I'm okay with that, Uh, which means I was a kid of the 80s. Any other kids of the 80s in here? Yeah. For you young people... You don't know how awesome. You think you know when you go to like an 80s like party and you dress like someone from the 80s, but you, you don't even know how to dress like we did in the 80s. Because I haven't seen any of y'all wearing parachute pants at 80s parties, zippers, anybody? Rolling rink, parachute pants? Come on. Uh, we used to tight roll our jeans. That's kind of coming back. And I don't know if you know this or not, but Kenny, Kenny had tight rolls on his jeans up here on the stage today. I mean, so some of those things don't go away. Uh, some of you ladies, the hair was a little, that was a little out of control in the 80s. I mean, the tease hair like straight up, like waving at you like this was, was something else. Uh, I grew up in the 80s in a small little farm town that was 30, 30 minutes from the closest mall. It's where we get the phrase boondocks. That's where I grew up. And I don't know why my parents did this, but they would drop us off at the mall and like drive home and then come back like a few hours later and get us. And it was 30 minutes. And I love my kids, but I'm not doing that. I'm not like, if there was the only mall was like down in like Longmont, I'm not driving them to Longmont and just not going to do that. But my parents did. And uh, there was this uh, store that had some pretty risque stuff in it called Spencer's. <laughs> this is so fun seeing all the nods. Oh, yes, I remember Spencer's. And they had these posters, and they were called Magic Eye Posters. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's like this, it just literally looks like a jumbled mess. And you look at it like in 2D and it's just, you, you know, there's nothing to see. But the way you look at these magic eye posters is you put your nose literally on the poster and you look, you have to look through the poster. And you have to keep your vision not on what's in front of you, but what is beyond what's in front of you, right? And then you begin to walk away from the poster and then a 3D image would crystallized in the moment and your mind was literally blown in the moment, right? And if you've never had that experience, get on Google. You could probably just put it up to your MacBook and just like push it away and like have an experience of what I'm talking about. The point I want to make in these magic eye posters from the 80s, well, number one, it was just to have a little fun talking about the 80s. You know, like I had someone after the first service come up and she's like, do you remember the first time you watched Um, MTV music videos and I was like no she goes oh I do she was like you know because in the 80s you had magazines or you could go to a concert but the experience of having a music video in your own living room was euphoric for people in the 80s and she was like and I used to dress like Madonna (laughs) so it's just fun to reflect on those things but I, I I wanted to bring your attention to those magic eye posters because um, the reality of those posters, it takes vision to see beyond what you initially see to see the 3D image that's out 
beyond you, okay? And I think this is what Paul means when he says these words in one of his letters. Set your minds on things that are above, right? Not on things of the earth. Paraphrase, set your minds on the supernatural promises, truths of the kingdom of God, not on what you only see in your natural life here. You gotta have vision beyond this life to see into the kingdom, to see what God sees. I want to uh, put up our mission statement uh, that we have. Uh, I'm gonna keep trying, there it is, our mission. Did I do that or did you do that? Ah, yes, okay, it's gonna work. This is just our stated mission statement on our website. It's um, connecting people. Our mission, our vision at Two Rivers is for people to have encounters to be a part of the movement of the new covenant, grace, and freedom of Jesus. That's our vision is the grace on grace of Jesus. Our mission, our practical mission, is connecting people, any, any person, you, anyone else, anyone, people, to what God sees, to kingdom of heaven realities, freedom, hope, and healing. And I'm convinced that this is these truths, freedom, hope, and healing, this is what God sees. These are the things beyond the natural. This is, this is the 3D image of the kingdom of heaven beyond our natural reality in, in our lives. Freedom. And you know these verses. John 8, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Galatians 5, 1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Freedom, freedom is what God sees because he is freedom. And the whole mission of Jesus is setting captives free. And so for us to see what God sees means that we're invited to understand and be rooted and grounded and have an experience of real, actual freedom in our lives and then to join the mission of Christ in setting other captives free. Freedom, God sees freedom. God sees supernatural hope abounding in our lives. First Peter 1, 3, according to his great mercy, the great mercy of the Father, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope, a living and breathing and alive hope in our lives through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. These are the freedom and hope, healing. This is the 3D images of the kingdom of heaven breakthrough in our lives, but it takes vision to see through our natural experience to actually have breakthrough and see these things and experience these things in our lives. Healing, there are so many references to healing in the gospels. We just looked at two realities of kingdom of heaven breakthrough healing last week in Matthew chapter 12. When Jesus saw the man with the withered hand, he didn't just see like his withered hand. He didn't just see the hard reality of his circumstances. He saw that there was more grace for that man to be completely and totally healed in his life. God sees healing. He sees heal healing because pain and disease is not the economy of heaven. Wholeness, 
Shalom is the economy, is the atmosphere, is the reality of heaven. And sometimes the natural reality of our lives brings that poster right up to our nose and we have a hard time seeing anything else, but we have to look through it. We have to look through the natural reality, the struggle, the hardship, the suffering, right? The fear in our life, whatever it may be, to get to the freedom and the hope and the healing that is more true than our present reality. And it takes faith to do that. When Jesus sees a problem, he sees the freedom and he sees the hope and he sees the healing. And for us to see what God sees necessitates a revelation beyond the natural. A revelation beyond the natural. Um, I would say it this way. This is for your consideration this morning. It takes a thought to heal a thought. It takes a right thought, a kingdom of heaven thought, to heal a kingdom of this world thought. It takes a right belief to heal a wrong belief. This is what I want you to consider today as we get into Matthew chapter 13. We need God's truth to replace the enemy's lies and the lies of this world and the lies of, the lies of our flesh to liberate us from the bondage we are in because of lies. Lies of the enemy Lies of the world, lies of our flesh keep us in bondage to the natural reality. And we need a revelation of Jesus to see what God sees to be liberated in freedom and hope and healing in our life. Here is a problem that I think is relevant for a lot of us in this room. Is that when life circumstances, hard life circumstances come into our lives... And life is hard. Life is beautiful and life is hard. And life is a struggle. And if it's not been a struggle for you, it will be a struggle for you. Because in this, in this world, you will have trouble. Take heart, I have overcome the trouble. Jesus, John 16, before he would go to the cross the next day. And so let's accept life on life's terms. As kingdom of God people, we, we have to accept life on life's terms. But here is a problem that I see in myself and many of us is when life's waves crash on our shore. It's disorienting, it's like being a kid at the ocean and the wave comes, you didn't know it's coming and you got tossed under the water and you don't know which way is up or down and you're just trying to figure out how to get back up out of the water and catch your breath, right? In, in that place, uh, there is a tendency among us to think of the things of the earth and not on things above. And what I mean by that is this, worst case scenario mental movies that play in our heads. Life is hard, I'm in the wave, I'm in the struggle, and my tendency, perhaps yours, is to think worst case scenario thinking, which really is fear-based thinking. Like that what if game, playing life forward, and when we do, like what if, what if, what if. Very few people I've ever talked to, when you play the what if game, do you guys know what I mean, the what if game? Like what if, like what we think about is 
the best possible outcomes or the worst possible outcomes? You tell me. What do we tend to think of? Worst. We think of worst possible outcomes. And then we have this emotional, fear-based experience in the present because we're playing life forward and we're thinking about the worst possible outcomes. And we have been equipped with the truths of the kingdom of God to look beyond the reality of here and now to receive and to see what God sees and to experience freedom and hope and healing even when you're in the middle of the storm. Faith, faith is simply, simply saying what God says about you and seeing what God sees and in your situation. And when we get equipped with the truths of God's word and we're rooted and grounded in our belief and faith in supernatural things above, we have authority to produce right mental movies in our heads instead of fear-based, anxious mental movies in our heads. But we gotta walk by faith to do that and we gotta be grounded in the authority of God's word and we proclaim the truths of heaven over our minds and hearts and lives and families so that we can walk with authority. Uh, it is important to not think about being an overcomer. Like in this, in this world, you'll have, have trouble. Take heart, I have overcome the world. It's important for us not to think about overcoming hard things through sheer willpower. Like just, I'm gonna grit my teeth. When my mom gets mad, she grits her teeth and she talks like this. And I have a tendency to do that as well. But we think like, I'm just, I'm just, it's gonna be my strength that gets through this. And that's, be careful, be careful. It takes a right thought to heal a wrong thought. It takes a right belief to replace, it takes a right belief to replace a wrong belief. Here's a, here's a promise for you this morning from Isaiah 26. You will keep him, her, everyone, any person in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Do you believe that verse? It's almost like, oh, I literally almost turned right to Isaiah 26. Isaiah, it's almost like I just could just, Read verse three, think about your life. Read verse three, do you believe it? I know it's written in the Bible, but do you believe it? Will you receive empowerment from the word of God, the living word of God to give you empowerment to have your eyes on things above and not on things of the earth? Because when you think about the things of the earth, especially when they're hard, you get overwhelmed. I get overwhelmed, we get overwhelmed, we're discouraged. It is normal, it is normal for life, for life to get stressful. I, th I think that's part of the reality like of our faith. Like it's normal for life to get stressful. It's not that hard to get worrisome about something, about so many things. I am at the front of the line. I told you guys a few weeks ago, my word of the year is faith because I'm believing God to help me overcome how worrisome I am as a person. So this is me. Perhaps it's you as well. But if we, if we will train our hearts and our minds 
to see what God sees and to believe what God says about us and this life, we will allow his perfect peace and love to drive out our anxiety. So we could do it with Isaiah 26. We could, we could come over to 1 John chapter four and I could say, 1 John chapter four, perfect love cast out all fear. 1 John four. Do you believe that? Will you be empowered by that? Can you get rooted in that? Can that be an empowerment truth for you to overcome today, tomorrow, this week, this year, the rest of your life? Fortunately, uh, not everyone who proclaims believes, like, oh yeah, do you believe in God? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you believe in the word of God as authority for life? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and then life gets real hard. Life gets real hard. We read it. We might even memorize a few verses, right? And then life Life gets hard. And we say things like, oh man, maybe God, God, is, God is not with me. God has left me. What, wait, what, time out, time out, time out. Do you believe this? I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Nothing will snatch you out of my, nothing in all of creation can separate you from the love of Christ. You know the word. How does that thought enter our head? Like, God has left me. Or, or this. Oh, you know what? I, maybe life is hard because God is punishing me. This is, this is God punishing me. Whoa, whoa, time out, time out, time out, time out. Time out. The just wrath of God, the holy, righteous, just Wrath of God was satisfied on the cross of Calvary for you. By the blood of Jesus, you are healed. God is not punishing you. The justice of God is satisfied. God is coming to you. He's the God of all comfort. He's the God of all peace. He's the God of all hope. Why do we lose those incredibly liberating, empowering verses when life gets hard, because the enemy gets in our ear, because we, we trip up, because we lose our footing in the word. And that's what Matthew 13 is about. It's about staying rooted in the truth of God so that when the storms come, we aren't tossed to and fro all over the place. And we say things like God has left me or God is punishing me, which isn't true, which isn't true. We will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. So Jesus shares some realities for us to consider in Matthew 13. Um, a lot of parables, and in Matthew 13 is a real turning point in the narrative of Matthew's gospel. And there's a couple of things that are, are transitioning in Matthew chapter 13. One is this, because of the persecution of Jesus of Nazareth, the persecution of the, the Jewish leadership, what's happening is Jesus' ministry is moving from the inside to the outside, like literally. 
So when you read the gospel, you're like, oh, he's in synagogues. Like Matthew 12, he's in synagogues and he's teaching in their synagogues. And in Matthew 13, he's at the Sea of Galilee. So like he's gotten the right foot of fellowship right out of the synagogues. And now he is proclaiming the message to the masses in a significant way, mainly outside. And then secondly, the style of teaching has changed. So we're gonna see parables on parables from Matthew 13 to the end of the book. And I would invite you to consider parables as an act of incredibly wonderful, beautiful grace. Stories, stories. Why, why parables? So that people could understand who Jesus is in a real, relevant, tangible way and to receive him as Messiah. Jesus didn't come keeping secrets from people. Jesus came to proclaim the truth of God to every single person. And he says this in Matthew 13, 11, Jesus calls the parables secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus came to reveal it all. And what I love about parables is that um, they're simple and they're multifaceted. And if you can grab onto the analogy from the magic poster, like they're so multifaceted. There's so many things to understand and glean from the parables of Christ. And the first parable that we're gonna see in Matthew 13 is a really uh, famous parable, maybe the most famous parable of all, the parable of the sower and the seed right along the soil, and I just want to say, like, this is a parable that um, probably a number of you could get up here and teach on, and I don't know that I have anything uh, new necessarily to share with you uh, this morning, but I think it's super relevant, super, super relevant for our lives, and what I want to invite you to consider in this really well-known parable is a couple of things. One, uh, the sower of the seed, so we have, like, the sower of the seed, and the seed falls along the ground. Like the sower, so one thing, as we're reading, the sower doesn't control the type of ground that the seed falls on. Like I'm, I don't carry authority and responsibility necessarily on the words that I'm speaking today, how it falls with you. That's, that's with you, right? When I'm reading the word of God, like how does it fall on me? So that's one thing I want us to point out. And secondly, I think, I think to have, sometimes I've talked with people about the parable of the sower, and uh, there can be a tendency to look at this and go, oh, this is about salvation. This is about, like, does a seed fall, is someone saved? And I think it's a much more robust 3D reality of the, po- the parable of the sower. I think it's about salvation, and it's about discipleship. And I think it's on an ongoing reality of how the message of God lands with us. And so I think just seeing the parable only as a parable about someone, are they, are they a believer and a follower of Jesus or not? I think that's a more limited view of the parable of sower. I would invite you to consider that this parable is for you today. I think it is for all of us. Um, and so I want us to have a more robust understanding of it. In that way. So uh, let's read the uh, first nine verses, and Jesus will just give the parable, uh, and then he'll explain it and the verses uh, to follow. So let's just read it. The same day, uh, Jesus went out of the house, and he sat by the lake, the Sea of Galilee. 
and such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. If you want to have a visual of this, like think about the eastern side of Horsetooth Reservoir. And so if you're ever down there on the shoreline trail, the topography of the land goes pretty quickly up. And so if Jesus is in a boat, it's like a, it'd be like this. It's like an amphitheater. And the same is true at the Sea of Galilee, right? It's, it, the topography is very, very similar in that way. And so he's created like this natural outdoor amphitheater, if you will, to teach from. And he gets in a boat and he pushes out from the sword to teach. And he told them many things in parables, stories. It's about the grace of God helping more people know and understand. Saying, here's the parable of the sower. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. So I want you to have a visual of like a, like a garden. Okay, and you know like, like a, let's say corn Right, and they're all in rows. So in Israel, um, they would have these long rows of wheat, and there would be paths. I mean, it was it was an agricultural society, and so for people to traverse between from town to town, they're always walking in between all of the agriculture that was being farmed, and it would be just like you were going to hike up on Horsetooth Rock. Like if you're hiking up Horsetooth Rock, you don't have to figure out the path. Right? It's so well known because it's so beaten down by all the people that travel up and down that path over and over and over again. It's a hardened path. That's the visual that Jesus is giving them with this first example. This fell along this hardened path that people travel up and down all the time. And the birds came and ate it up. And some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. If, this, if we were in Tennessee and I was preaching, I would just say much soul. But we're in Colorado, so I'm going to say soil. Okay? Just making sure you're listening. Didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. It's just basically like it's really rocky and there's a couple of inches of uh, good soil above it. But it's not deep soil. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. They couldn't get rooted because of the rocky um, terrain under the soil. Other seed, third example, other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants. And still fourth, eight, verse eight, still another seed fell along the good soil where it produced a crop 160, 30 times that was sown. He who has ears, let him here. Who is the sower in this parable? Who do you think? God is the sower. And what is the seed? The, the message of God. Right? The sower is also us proclaiming the seed, which is the message of God. The sower is a picture of someone sharing Jesus' message, Jesus himself, also disciples. And the ground is a picture of how the hearer receives the message. And again, 
if we're thinking of ourselves as sowers, you and I don't control the soil that the seed lands on, right? I don't have, I don't have authority over that. I'm just called to proclaim the message. But I am responsible for how the message lands with me. And you are responsible for how the message lands with you. So the analogy is, how is the message of God landing with you? And again, I don't think that this parable is only about salvation. I think, is, I think it is relevant for every single one of us here and now today. How is the message of God landing with you today, right now, in this moment? How do you receive what soil of your life is happening as you hear the message of God? Do we want to see what God sees? Freedom, hope, healing. Or do we choose to see things our own way? Jesus will explain the parable. You don't have to be a biblical scholar to understand what he's saying because he's literally gonna spell it out for us in verses 18 to 23. Um, Let's read those verses. Listen, he says, Jesus says, to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, hardened soil... The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on the rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. There's some initial excitement about it. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word He quickly falls away. Then the one who received the seed, the message of God that fell among the thorns, is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But when the one who received the seed that fell on the good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. I want to just unpack just these four different scenarios. Uh, The first scenario, again, is a seed that falls along the wayside. Uh, First example, Perhaps a life, a mind, a heart that is shut down or maybe is hardened to the message of God. And before it can get any rootedness, it is stolen away by the enemy's lies or by our own doubt, our own unbelief. Like it's sown, but it has no opportunity because of lies. Lies like God can never love me. Oh, I hear you talking about the unconditional love of God. Oh, I hear you reading verses about perfect peace, but you don't know my life. You don't know what I've done. God can never love someone like me. Or this lie, I've made so many shameful mistakes. Or I'm just, I'm too far gone in my addiction for my life to be restored. If that, if any of these 
scenarios is you today. I want to encourage you to be open and receptive, hear this, to God's superabounding grace as you listen to the word of truth being read and proclaimed over you today. I want to invite you to slay the dragon of the enemy's lies and to receive the word that will bring freedom, hope, and healing into your life today. Open your hearts. Let his promises fill your heart with his love and heal you, and it will restore your faith. God would never hurt you. He will never force his way. And we have a choice to let his words of life come into our heart and take root and establish us in grace or to allow his words to fall by the wayside. It takes a right belief to heal a wrong belief. Nothing in all of creation has any authority and power to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. The seed that falls on the rocky ground This is a hearer who receives God's word and initially it's like, oh my gosh, he forgives even me? Yes. Like if God's mercy and forgiveness and grace is for me, Jason, I promise you it's for everyone. It's for even you. This is soil that gets some rootedness, but it doesn't get rooted down to endure hardship and the moment the enemy or the world, the world's lies or even our consciousness condemns us with guilt, we forget about our forgiveness. We walk away from knowing the truth that we are the righteousness of God in Christ and we feel defeated, discouraged. This is why it's so important for us to listen to messages and to read books that consistently remind you of what it means to have an identity in Christ. Not an identity in this world, not an identity in your achievement, but an identity in Christ, that he, he is the one that gives you worth in your life. It's not about self-esteem that you go get, it's about a worth that you have been given. To listen, I mean, I mean, I mean, I would think that every single person in this room has a podcast that you've, right? I mean, everybody's got a podcast now. I mean, I don't know if you're listening to 10 podcasts, but if you're not listening to 10 podcasts, you better get with the program, right? There's so many messages. There's, be careful. Be careful with all of the messaging. And my encouragement to you as your pastor is to listen to messages and read books that are full of what Jesus has done for you on the cross so that your heart is consistently filled with his new covenant liberating truths of his grace. Here's what Paul says in Colossians 3.16. This is an exhortation to the church, by the way. This isn't a, hey, I got an idea. This might be a good idea for you. I know it's a good idea for me. I, you, know, you might want to consider this. No, this is an exhortation to the church. And he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another, encouraging one another, sharpening one another, admonishing one another in psalms and in hymns and in spiritual songs, singing with grace 
and your hearts to the Lord. What does that mean? To sing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Well, I believe it means knowing that the grace of Jesus is all sufficient for you always. It is being rooted and grounded in his love. That guilt and condemnation will not be able to penetrate your heart when you are so secure and you are so focused on your righteous identity in Christ. So the first example is a hardened heart based on lies and unbelief. The second is a shallow, like I don't have enough to withstand the trials and the trouble of this world. Um, third example, seed that falls among the thorns. This is an overloaded heart, an overwhelmed heart, an overwhelmed reality. This is when God's truth loses its practical power in our lives. You're a believer. Your salvation is secure, but you're overwhelmed with the worries of this life and the lies of this world. So what ends up happening is the word of God it doesn't give you practical power to overcome. It has the practical power, but God doesn't force his way. We, we stop going to the power of the authority of God in our lives to overcome. This is when the world persuades us that peace and life is an achievement and money. Like the message of the world is like, you wanna, you wanna have like true hope and joy and happiness in your life, then... You gotta, you gotta get the stuff. You gotta go get the stuff. And I just, I'll say it this way. There's a lot of poor people with plenty of money in this world. That's what I think. Like you can buy sleeping pills, but you can't buy the shalom of God because it is free for you. You can't buy peace for your mind and forgiveness for your heart. The world doesn't have that for you, but Jesus has an abundance of it for you. And there's more where that came from because it's grace on grace on grace on grace. Jesus is rest for your souls and in him there is no lack. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in Really? Truly? Like, do you believe that? The Lord is your shepherd. Jesus said this, I, and I'm a, I'm a good shepherd. Like, I'm delighted to give you good things. You shall not be in want. Do you believe that this morning? Does that give you empowerment to overcome this morning? Good soil is the last one of the parable that believes in the power of right believing, people whose hearts are open, receptive, and ready to receive all that God has for them, people who are ready to allow his word to take root in our lives so that when the storms of life come and they will come, for some of you in this room, they are, you are in it right now. You will not be tossed to and fro but you will stay rooted and you will actually sing worship songs to the Lord in the midst of the storm. I wanna invite you to like visualize your life for just a moment. 
to actually see your life going forward as fertile ground. Like to see your life, your marriage, your family, your future. I want to invite you to see it as fertile ground in front of you. Ground that is anchored in the hope and the grace of God. I can proclaim testimonies up here because I know so many stories of people in this room who have tasted and seen what God offers us even when life is hard and they have not walked away from freedom, hope, and healing. And even through suffering, they will still proclaim the goodness of God in the land of the living. Seeing what God sees beyond the natural reality into the 3D reality of the kingdom of heaven, freedom, hope, and healing, seeing what God sees, surely will mean a breakthrough for your life. And this is what I believe the next parable is talking about. Like real actionable, real actionable stuff in our lives um, is the next parable. Let's look at, and we'll close here, Matthew um, verse 44, 13, 44, and 45. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, in his joy, I would encourage you to write that, in his joy, in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and he bought that field. And again, verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls, do you know where pearls are found? Where, where are pearls found? Say again. Oysters. On the bottom, right, of the seashore, right? In the water, right? So just, we got a field and we got the ocean. So I'll explain that in just a second. The merchant looking for pearls, and when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And so in both of these parables, the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price, the person who found the treasure went away and sold everything they had and bought it. Kingdom breakthrough, real kingdom breakthrough is seeing that the treasure of your life is Jesus Christ himself. That's the treasure. That is the treasure of your life. And the man's joy over the treasure that was found in the field was so intense that he sold everything he had to get it. The joy was so intense that I would be willing to walk away from everything else that I have just so that I can have this treasure. Who is Jesus, the Lord, our Savior? And the merchant, the joy over the pearl was so intense that he sold everything to buy that pearl. There's something in these two parables that uh, I wanna explain that uh, perhaps some, if not many of us, don't understand the radical inclusivity of Jesus and the gospel of grace in these parables. The parable of the treasure in the field is for the Jews. Why? 
rabbis had a saying, Jewish rabbis in Israel had a saying, that the only safe place for money was the earth. Like there were no banks, right? There were no banks there. And so if you had money, the only safe place for that money was in the earth. And this is, this is crazy to think about. According to Jewish law, hidden treasure belonged to the finder. What? Yes. So, you had to be a really good hider of the treasure, literally. That's the concept of what Jesus is talking about, and he's talking about a treasure in a field. He's speaking to the Jews. Guess what the Jew, what was non-kosher for the Jews to eat? Shellfish. What do you find a pearl in? A shellfish. Jesus wasn't talking to the Jews, talking about the pearl of great price. He's talking to you because you're a Gentile and I'm a Gentile. And he's sitting in that boat and he's telling everyone on that hillside, the treasure is me and it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, I'm the treasure for the whole world. And it has caused me to go like, I kind of... I kind of want to get a pearl necklace. It says like gratitude or like a pearl bracelet. But in both parables, and here's the deal, it's a parable, it's a story to help us understand the reality of the kingdom. And what I'm proclaiming to you is that Jesus is the treasure, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. And here's what Paul says about what he found in the treasure. Philippians 3.8. In fact, I'm gonna invite you to stand for this. Would you stand with me? Worship team, you can come back up. I'll close with this. Here's what's so interesting about Paul. Paul called himself a Jew of Jews, but his mission was to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. And he said this in Philippians 3. But whatever was gained to me, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things as loss compared to the surpassing excellence of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. If you're reading an NIV, it might say garbage. But do you know what the Greek word actually means? Dung. Maybe the translators thought like, that might not go over well in a church, but I just said it, so we'll see how it goes over. Like Paul's like, the treasure, the joy is so intense that everything that this world would say could bring freedom and hope and healing. All of that is rubbish compared to Christ. Oh, I just want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. There are three things in this life that will go to the other side. And in my conviction, only three things truly, really matter. God himself his word and people. 
people. God, his word, and people. You guys, nothing else truly. I mean, we're not taking it with us. It's God, his word, and people. And I pray a fresh stirring of the Holy Spirit in this room that you would have the faith to make what's primary, primary. And that the foundation of our lives would be Jesus. He is the treasure. He is freedom. He is hope. He is healing. I proclaim it to you. Let's worship. Let's worship with joy that the treasure has been made known to us. And his name is Jesus and he is the Lord.